Welcome to Unbalanced Views. This is Brian. Um, I'm going to jump right into the middle of a story. It's the last of the little quick hitters we did for our spooky season kind of conversation. Hope you enjoy it. So, Mike, I want to tell you one more story. Yeah, for, for two minutes. <laughs> it's way past my bedtime. It is so far past my bedtime right now. <laughs> I don't right. care. You'll like this one. <laughs> so I'm just going to read you this little passage from uh, Robert okay. Darnton's book uh, called The Great Cat Massacre gotcha. and other episodes in French cultural history. The funniest thing that ever happened in the printing shop of Jacques Vincent. <laughs> Vincent. Well, probably Jacques Vincent. <laughs> according to a worker who witnessed it, was the riotous massacre of cats. <laughs> the worker, Nicholas Contat, told the story in an account of his apprenticeship in the shop. Okay. The shop was called the Rue Saint-Savrin in Paris during the late 1730s. Life as an apprentice was hard, he explained. There were two of them, Jerome and Lavalet. They slept in filthy, freezing rooms, rose before dawn, ran errands all day while dodging insults from the journeyman and abuse from the master. That sucks. And they received nothing but slop to eat. They found the food was especially galling. <sighs> Instead of dining at the master's table, they had to eat scraps from his plate in the kitchen. No. Worse still, the cook secretly sold the leftovers and gave the boys cat food. That's disgusting. Old rotten bits of meat that they could barely stomach and passed on to the cats who refused it. Best injustice brought contact to the theme of cats. They, they'll occupy a special place in this narrative. And I'm going to read you his whole account really quick, because this is wild. This is a true story. Okay. So this was, um, well, it's not his whole account. It's, it's two pages of his account. After a day of exhausting work and disgusting food, the two apprentices retired to their bedroom, which is a damp and drafty lean-to, in a corner of a courtyard. So they don't even have a house. They're, in a, they're not even living in the house. They're in a lean-to. Okay, so the episode is recounted by a third person from the viewpoint of Jerome. He's so tired, needs to rest so desperately that the shack looks like a palace to him. At last, the persecution and misery he has suffered throughout the day has come to an end, and he can relax. But no, some bedeviled cats celebrate a witch's Sabbath all night long, making so much noise that they rob him of the brief period of rest allotted to the apprentices before the journeymen arrive for work early the next morning. And they demand admission by constant ringing of an infernal bell. Then the boys have to get up and cross the courtyard, shivering in their nightshirts in order to open the door. Those journeymen never let up. No matter what you do, you always make them lose their time, and they always treat you as a lazy good-for-nothing. They, uh, they call for Levelet, light the fire under the cauldron, Fetch water for the dunking troughs. True, those jobs are supposed to be done by beginning apprentices who live at home, but they don't arrive until six or seven. Thus, everyone is soon at work, apprentices, journeymen, everyone, but the master and the mistress. They alone enjoy the sweetness of sleep. That makes Jerome and Levelet jealous. 
Mm-hmm. They resolve that they will not be the ones to su- the only ones to suffer. Yeah. They want their master and mistress to associate. But how do they turn the trick? So you get what's going on, right? Like these apprentices, their life it's shitty. And they're pretty pissed off at the master and mistress and the journeyman, but especially the master and mistress. Sure. Because their work conditions are shitty. Mm-hmm. Levelet has an extraordinary talent for imitating voices and the smallest gestures of everyone around him. He's a perfect actor. That's the real profession that he has picked up in his printing shop in this printing shop. He can also produce perfect imitations of the cries of dogs and cats. He decides to climb from roof to roof until he reaches a gutter next to the bedroom of the bourgeois, of the bourgeois and the bourgeoisie and the bourgeois. So it's the, the master and missus. Mm-hmm. So from there, he can ambush them with a volley of meows. He climbs up, meows at them. <laughs> it's an easy job for him. He's the son of a roofer and can scramble across roofs like a cat. Our sniper succeeds so well that the whole neighborhood is alarmed. So he wakes up the whole neighborhood, meowing at the master and mistress. Mm -hmm. The word spreads that there is witchcraft afoot and that the cats must be the agents of someone casting a spell. I should note really quick. These people have 25 cats and they sit at the table with the master and mistress to eat. Um, They get all the good food. They get like, you know, anyway. So, and they're doted upon constantly. Okay. It is a case. Oh, sorry. So, uh, the word spreads that there is witchcraft afoot and the cats must be the agents of someone casting a spell. It is a case for the cure. Who is an intimate of the household and the confessor of Madame? No one can sleep anymore. All right. So they're like, who's going to, who's going to solve this problem? You know what I mean? Um, since nobody's asleep anymore in the neighborhood. Levele stages a Sabbath. Next, the next night and the night after that, if you Sabbath being like he does the same thing over and over. Right. Okay. Um, if you didn't know him, you would be convinced that he was a witch. Oh. Finally, the master and the mistress cannot stand it any longer. Quote, we'd better tell the boys to get rid of those malevolent animals. They declare end quote, or end quote. They declare Madame gives the order exhorting them to avoid a frightening Avoid frightening La Grise. La Grise means the gray, and the gray is her favorite cat. Uh-huh. So don't frighten La Grise. <laughs> that is the name of her pet pussy. And it should be noted that um, in France, the the word that they use for cat has the same connotation as the English word pussy does as a double entendre. So so when they talk throughout the story, when they talk about her pet pussy, it uh-huh. is intended to be double entendre, even though you. it is a even though it is a um, even though it's a true story. Okay. okay. I guess, I guess. The lady is impassioned for cats. Many master printers are also. So this is a thing in the early 18th century, this emerging bourgeoisie, they start buying pet cats because cats were kind of a, an exotic luxury item. And it was conspicuous consumption to have a bunch of cats showed how successful you were. So of course the working class get a little pissed off about it. Okay. Uh, many master printers also. One of them has 25. He has their portraits painted and feeds them on roast fowl, roast, you know, birds. Mm-hmm. The hunt is soon organized. The apprentices resolve to make a clean sweep of it. And they are joined by the journeymen. The masters love cats. So consequently, consequently, they all must hate them. This man arms himself with a, with the bar of a press. That one with a stick from the drying room, others with broom handles. They hang sacks at the windows of the attic and the storerooms to catch the cats who attempt to escape by leaping outdoors. The beaters are named 
everything is organized. Levelet and his comrade Jerome preside over the fete. Fete is a party. Okay. Each of them armed with an iron bar from the shop. The first thing they go for is La Grise, Madame's pussy. Levelet stuns it with a quick blow on the kidneys. Jerome finishes it off. Then Levelet stuffs the body in a gutter, for they don't want to get caught. Mm-hmm. It is a matter of consequence, a murder, which must be kept hidden. The men produce terror on the rooftops. Seized by panics, the cats throw themselves into the sacks. Some are killed on the spot. Others are condemned to be hanged for the amusement of the entire printing shop. <laughs> Printers know how to laugh. It is their sole occupation. The execution is about to begin. They name a hangman, a troop of guards, even a confessor. Then they pronounce the sentence. In the midst of it all, a mistress, the mistress arrives. What is her surprise when she sees the bloody execution? She lets out a scream. Then her voice is cut because she thinks she sees La Grise. And she is certain that such a fate has been reserved. I'm sorry. She is certain that such a fate has been reserved for her favorite puss. The workers assure her that no one would be capable of such a crime. They have too much respect for the house. The bourgeois arrives. Ah, the scoundrels, he says. Instead of working, they are killing cats. Madame to monsieur, to monsieur. These wicked men can't kill the masters, so they have killed my pussy. She can't be found. I have called La Grise everywhere. They must have hanged her. It seems to her that all the workers' blood would not be sufficient to redeem the insult. The poor Grise, a pussy without a peer. <laughs> I like that. Monsieur and Madame retire, leaving the workers in liberty. The printers delight in the disorder. They are beside themselves with joy. What a splendid subject for their laughter. For a belle coupe. They will amuse themselves with it for a long time. Levelet will take the leading role and will stage a play of the events at least 20 times. <laughs> he will mime the master, the mistress, the whole house, heaping ridicule upon them all. He will spare nothing in his satire. Among printers, those who excel in this entertainment are called jibbers. They provide jibberie. Levelet re- receives many rounds of applause. It should be noted that all the workers are in league against the masters. It is enough to speak badly of them, the masters, to be esteemed by the whole assembly of typographers. Levelet is one of those. The rec- in recognition of his merit, he will be pardoned for some previous satires against the other workers. So you get what happened here? Uh, yeah, I'm following along. Revelay, Mr. Revelay. All the printers round up all the cats. Killed them. Uh, from all the print shops. They hold trials. They have a confessor. They find the cats guilty and they execute them. They hang them. Uh, hundreds of cats are hung. Uh-huh. Again, it's weird. I know. It's what are these cats? I've, I've never seen uh, problematic cats where you got to exterminate so many of them. Well, it's not the problem is the masters and mistresses in their newfound wealth as new bourgeoisie Uh as the owners who are exploiting their laborers, but are making enough money to, in one case, own 25 cats, (laughs) cats that are fed with roasted meats, roasted fowl, roasted goose and duck and chicken, you know, while while the apprentices are being served. Rancid, old, old, cat, old food. cat food. Oh, God. They're not allowed to eat at the master's table while the cats are eating at the table. Right. So 
because murdering the mister and the, the master and mistress would probably get you executed. So you kill the cats. Killing the cats will not. So they round up the cats and they execute them all. And the, the, all of them get tried and executed by hanging, except for La Grise, who is the favorite, who gets beaten to death. <laughs> or a shot to the kidneys and then a shot to the spine. And, uh, and I love, you know, and again, like it is, it is intended that like the mistress is like, oh, my pussy, my, my, you know, my favorite, my, you know, my best pussy has been, has been, you know, is gone or has disappeared. I fear that my pussy has suffered this fate. All of that is intended to be body yeah. double entendre. Sure. That like, sure. you know, that, uh, that they've, they've, you know, um, yep. Yep. yeah. So I just thought it's a fun story that is wild. I mean, it's crazy. It's gruesome. The idea that they that they then put on a play and re- reenact the the you know the events of the night over and over and over twenty times is insane. <laughs> and the fact that they think it's hilarious that they murdered all these cats, like animal cruelty, is you know it's hard to find funny. But like, I mean, this kind of especially you know something like this is so overtly gruesome. I know, <laughs> but you can kind of understand. I, anyway. Anyway, my point of all this French stuff is like, I just think it's kind of interesting to see how, like, how all of these, the like, regular common folk, um, deal with their own immiseration. Yep. Yep. You know, the immiseration of, 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 oh, a handful of wealthy oligarchs lording their power over them. Yep. The way that they use stories and, it, and the execution of cats <laughs> to, to strike out against a system in which they have no power. And so it ties full circle to our French railway workers who figure out later on how to actually like create some change by doing things like sabotage. Sabotage. So that's my free flowing spooky history stories. What do you think? I think it's absolutely wonderful. I love the cat story. Very creepy. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a very scary version of uh, Little Red Riding Hood, which was creepy. I thought you did a great job. I thought the whole show was uh, quite scary. I mean, you know, trying to do a little spooky. I feel bad. I, I Originally, I wanted to do something about Pope's Day mm-hmm. on November 5th, where, like, the North End mob in Boston and the South End mob in Boston, like, uh, hang a pope in effigy, but before they do that, they like have a big parade and they meet in the middle of the city, and then they uh, they're all the working class. It's all just like the working class, you know, the North Enders and Southeast, and uh, and then they uh, they meet in the middle, and um, basically they use the whole the whole event to like vent all their frustration about the elites, but then when they meet in the middle, they beat the shit out of each other, and whichever mob wins gets to burn the effigy, and the other one loses. They don't get to burn their effigy that year. So it's a you know matter of pride, and um, yeah, it's a whole crazy story. But um, and it happens on November fifth every year, which is like the same day as Guy Fawkes Day. So like it's obviously connected to that, but like it's totally different. And uh, anyway, but one day I want to tell a story about Ebenezer McIntosh, who was the leader of the South Boston mob. Uh, and his role in the Boston oh. Tea Party. So I didn't really want to do too much of that story because, like, I've got a really good story about him and Pope Day and, like, the Boston Tea Party and all that stuff that I'd like to do one day. So uh, so I kind of, like, wanted to do it, but I was like, I don't know how to do it without doing all this yeah. cool stuff. 
and to do it as a short anyway. All right. On that note, Mike. Uh, so Mike, I know you're probably <laughs> laying in bed because all I'm I see bed, is the bridge and, and know you so far, but, past uh, time. but Mike, uh, we have a, we have a way to contact us. We do. We? we do. You could find us on both well, all the, all the social medias, Twitter. Uh, uh, we are on all your, uh, kind of favorite spots you can find your podcast apple pod twitter twitter at twitter views at unbalanced views unbalanced uh we are on podbean right we apple podbean.com slash unbalanced, unbalanced views. views if you want to send any recommendations or any kind of communications we have a gmail which is unbalanced views at gmail.com and uh, of course, we encourage everyone to share with all your friends, family, anyone who you think might enjoy the podcasts. Um, how many do we have now? Fourteen so, episodes, um, plus a couple of little bonus shorts and things like that. To some yeah, of the earlier ones. Uh, don't don't give up on us. We get better as it goes along. Um, and we're the smallpox episodes are far and away the best good, ones we've done. Very good. Our special guest. And the last one, episode 14, I think. Episode 14 might, is the best one overall. It's it's really excellent. Check that one out. Um, I really I really like that episode, and I feel like you can so watch it. So if you're going to share one, share episode 14. I thought it really, um, went, that, really went well. But yeah. yeah. Other than that, we thank everyone for listening. All right. Go to bed. I'm in bed. Go to bed, Go to bed, Mike. Set up an Instagram for us, please. You got it, my friend. Yeah, yeah, you've been saying that for weeks. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) See ya.